0: This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. I'm your host, Tatiana, and each week we'll uncover stories, ideas, routines, and expert information to help guide you on your ever evolving journey of good sex. We believe that through democratizing sexual wellness, we can shift cultural taboos and make way for authentic and limitless access to pleasure, joy, and connection to the body. Today, I'm excited to welcome Leah Newman to the podcast. Leah is on a mission to bring sexy back to your life. As a former high-performance coach for Tony Robbins and master trainer for The Erotic Blueprint, Leah helps busy individuals overcome the cycles of overwhelm and exhaustion so that they can live lives dripping with pleasure. So, what exactly is an erotic blueprint? And what does that say about us and our sex lives? Leah is here to tell us all that and more. In fact, there are a lot of stereotypes about what provides a fulfilling sex life. Sex techniques are no guarantee of orgasmic bliss, and using the wrong technique or approach on the wrong person can create turnoff, shutdown, and possibly even traumatic responses. On the show today, we cover just how we can begin to map our language for arousal and unpack the five erotic blueprints. Leah shares what living each blueprint uniquely means, and how sexual satisfaction is really not one-size-fits-all, and why it's so important we discover what our sexual expression means for our deeper experiences of joy, pleasure, and connection. Please welcome Leah to the podcast. So Leah, I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. I was so excited for the invite. So I think first and foremost, I'd just love to ask you how you're doing, where you're at right now. I know so much has been going on in the world and I just want to check in with you. How are you doing? Fabulous. Literally fantastic. I just moved into a new
1: home here in Boulder. And you mentioned that you've been to Colorado before. The weather is absolutely stunning. I love the work that I get to do every day. And yeah, life is really good.
0: Life can't be bad for you because I know you listeners can't see, but Leah is surrounded by plants right now behind her. Well, you can't even see half of them. I have this wall over here and this wall over here filled with them as well. I
1: love this room. It's my favorite room in the house.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. I am a plant mama to be. I'm really working on it. Just getting into propagating, so... Oh, that's a
1: whole world that you, uh, <laughs>
0: you can get lost in propagating. But before you know, we get into our conversation today... I guess I'd really love to just hear a little bit more about who you are and a bit of your cultural upbringing. And honestly, one of my favorite questions to ask within the mix here is what was your messaging growing up around sex and relationships, whether you were at home, whether in school? I'd love to get a little bit of a background.
1: I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up in upstate New York. And mom talked to me about the birds and the bees when I was very young, which, yay, mom, (laughs) you know, good for her. But I was also raised in a town that was highly, highly, highly Roman Catholic. And so there was a lot of judgment around your clothing that you wore and just judgment, lots of judgment, right? And I grew up in the age of Madonna. You know, I'm 45 right now. I grew up in the age of Madonna and spandex and jelly shoes and jelly bracelets And there was a bit of a like sexual kind of revolution going on for women at the time of expression through clothing. And I remember the slut shaming when I was 14 years old, wearing leggings that went all the way down to my ankles with a Lycra skirt. I know, I know. (laughs) Just bear with me. But leggings with a lycra skirt and a tank top underneath. And I was getting slut chained. So that was really hard.
0: Yeah, at such a a formative age too, Madonna was huge for so many young women, especially in terms of that sexual revolution, which you speak of. How did that like inspire you at that age? So what you don't know about me is that I have a very strong rebel nature. And so really
1: all it did for me was make me keep doing it. I loved that it pissed them off. (laughs) (laughs) I totally loved that it pissed them off. So I kept going.
0: (laughs) I don't blame you. I think probably a lot of people who listen to this show can resonate with that. I think there's a little bit of a rebellious nature, even in and of all of this conversation about what we're even going to get into. It's just like, hey, Screw this, that we don't talk about this or normalize this in the way that we should. Honestly, it's one of the main reasons why I do this work. I don't want others to have to continue
1: with that ideology or those thoughts that have been imprinted in them for so long. Like their whole lives, they've lived with the notion that it's not okay to talk about or it's not okay to experience pleasure. I don't want them to have to suffer that anymore. And so I'm on a mission, much like you are. To help normalize these conversations
0: and to help normalize women experiencing pleasure. Based off of that, tell me a little bit more just kind of about what you do with Unstuck Yourself and with the erotic blueprint and the way you got into this space and where you are now. I
1: think like most
0: coaches, I fell
1: into all of this. (laughs) I was doing my own work on myself and got experienced a lot of growth. And I also discovered that I had a knack for supporting others and coming along with me. So I spent a lot of time in the Tony Robbins world, and I was a coach for Tony Robbins for many years. It was through Tony Robbins that I discovered Jayama, the creator of the erratic Blueprint. And I had done the work around money, around mindset, around health and, you know, having an empowering attitude. And I felt like I did all the work and I'm living this great life. And I was sitting here going, why am I still not fulfilled? Why is there something still missing? And I started diving into Jaya's work and I went, oh, (laughs) (laughs) my sex life is awful. That's why (laughs) I get it. Much like I do, I dove in headfirst and went all the way in and got certified as a coach. And I worked with Jaya one on one and had some pretty epic revelations that I was really depriving myself. And there was
0: no good reason for it. You know, it's really funny you say like the Tony Robbins, then comparing it to Jaya's work, because it's like Tony focuses on most of the aspects of just life finance, all the other things. Right. And it's kind of missing that key pillar. What stood out to me even in you just saying that was what was so bad about your sex life?
1: Okay. So there I was trying to live up to what other people thought I should be.
0: And that
1: didn't stop when we got to the bedroom door. And so there I was in the bedroom with my partners and I'll tell you more about the blueprints later, but most of them were sexual blueprints. And I was trying to be what they wanted me to be so that I could please them and they wouldn't leave me. And so the thing of it was, is at the time I had almost not a trace of sexual blueprint in my blueprint. So basically I was performing in the bedroom and wondering why I wasn't fulfilled in our culture, in our society. I personally find that most of our sex education, because we all, this is the thing, we all get a sex education. It might not happen in school but you get a sex education be it from movies or magazines or porn or what you heard from your friend you get a sex education that doesn't mean it was a good one but you get one right and i had learned that sex is supposed to sound like ah, ah right like all of those kinds of things with the hair flipping and the and i'm supposed to wear sexy lingerie and i'm supposed to know exactly what to do precisely what to do for his pleasure. And there I was recognizing I hadn't spent a single moment worrying about my own or even showing up for my own, right? So it was a big aha moment. I'm not even showing up for my own pleasure. He has no chance of pleasing me
0: because I don't even know how to please me. Oh my God. I like just in getting chills right now because I just can feel for a former version of ourselves. I can feel for people who are struggling in this right now, this feeling, the first word that came to me was autopilot. It is. And so I really am curious about your correlation between people. Okay. So people might be listening and they're like, cool, cool, cool. Fix my sex life. What does that have to do with my real life? Sex
1: begins well before you get to the bedroom. Your pleasure begins well before you get to the bedroom. Again, this is this you know, movies have, have portrayed this whole notion that pleasure and arousal only begin when you you know start making out or you get to the bedroom. And I am a stand for us to think of it this way. What if your whole life were foreplay? What if everything you did in your life, brought you to this moment where you can be in pleasure with yourself or with other. So actually I would really love to share what the blueprints are because once you know what the blueprints are then I can give some better examples of what I actually mean by what if your whole life were foreplay.
0: Amazing. Let's get into it because I think first off my question for you is what is a blueprint in general and how does that apply to each of us and then like you were saying I'd love to kind of hear what each of those can look like. So there's actually five erotic blueprints
1: and the erotic blueprints are a typing system, very similar to like the love languages. Okay. We all have all five, but in varying degrees and some of them are stronger for us than others. So they kind of lead the way, if you will. Okay. So the first one is the energetic blueprint. The energetic blueprint is turned on. Can you tell that I might be an energetic blueprint? Uh, Turned on by tease, space, and anticipation. Okay. And I'll give some examples so that maybe you can feel into if this might be your blueprint. An energetic blueprint, if they're going to go in for a kiss, it's like that slow approach or that linger right you're not actually kissing yet but it's that linger or it could be the kind of kiss that like you kiss and you pull away slowly so you can enjoy that tease of not quite kissing yet it makes sense smell I'm right so energetic touch might actually look like a really light touch on the hand some of the superpowers are energetics can feel their partner across the room sometimes their partner doesn't even have to touch them in order for them to have an orgasm How cool is that? Some of the challenges of the energetic blueprint are sometimes if the touch or the kiss or what have you comes a little too fast, they can get overwhelmed. It's too much too fast. And then they can unfortunately shut down sometimes. So that's the energetic. This sensual blueprint, I'm going to paint a picture for you. Think mood lighting think the beautiful bed set up beautifully with pillows and candlelight a little berry white in the background maybe this is what comes to mind for me as i think about a sensual blueprint it's those tactile things because they're turned on by all of their senses so it's the candle that that has the right scent that smells really really good it's the silky robe on the skin that feels really amazing it's setting the stage right? Creating the romantic environment. It's music that helps you feel in the mood, all of those types of things. Is that making sense? A sensual blueprint is like those yummy, delicious kisses that don't stop, that you just like melt into and just mm, delicious. Sensual touch is often like contouring kind of touch, Okay. It might be something that's a little massage even. So again, they are turned on, their superpowers are, they are turned on by all of their senses. Some of the challenges that they experience though, is they can sometimes get caught up in their head. Like they created this beautiful environment and now we've got socks and pants on the floor. And we're thinking about the socks and pants instead of the pleasure that is occurring right now, or the concern that the kids might walk in the room. Okay. So that's the sensual blueprint. The sexual blueprint is what most of us were taught sex is all about in this country. It is about nudity. It is about genitals. It is about genital contact. A sexual kiss might be like one of those kisses where you just kind of like go for it. Really intense, right from the get-go. Think of maybe being pushed against the wall and yummy, delicious kisses, getting to it. Yes. So some of the superpowers of the sexual blueprints are there zero to 60. It does not take a whole lot for a sexual blueprint to get aroused, which is awesome. But one of the challenges that they sometimes experience is that they can miss out on the journey, right? Because they're going straight to the goodies.
0: (laughs) They can miss out on some of the pleasure along the way. It's funny. So I'm a sexual blueprint. I actually hadn't taken the quiz recently. I took it about a year ago when I first discovered Jaya's work and I went back into my email to see what my blueprint was. So I wonder if it's shifted in some of the personal development work that I've been doing in the past year. But the sexual is interesting. And what stood out to me and what you just said was the negative could be you're missing out on that foreplay of life that you were speaking of before. And, you know, I think the sexual
1: blueprint is both celebrated and demonized in our culture, especially if you're a woman. But again, it is what we're taught is the air quotes norm or what sex is supposed to look like. And it's just not true. It is one of the ways that you can enjoy this type of pleasure. Okay, so we have two more blueprints. So now we have the kinky blueprint. And a lot of times when I say kinky, people immediately think of BDSM, which is cool. Um, That's definitely a part of it. But it's really all about what's taboo for you. For some of us, having sex with the lights on is taboo. I mentioned the kids might walk in. That could be taboo for you. You might enjoy having sex when the kids might walk in or somebody might be able to walk in. That, That can be taboo for you. Now, for me, that might not be kinky for me at all right? So kinky is about what is taboo for you. One of their superpowers is truthfully because of this, it's different for everybody. And their superpower is that they have a really wide vocabulary of what sexual pleasure can look like. It's amazing. All the flavors, all the flavors. And yes, BDSM can be a part of it. Unfortunately, one of the challenges is that sometimes they have some shame around what their turn on is. And so that can shut them down or create situations where they're not really communicating with their partner what their actual sexual desire is.
0: I can imagine that somebody who's a kink blueprint has kind of repressed that out of their system really feels a lot of tension, feels a lot of unfulfillment. I can imagine that when you unlock that, because we so alienate the concept of kinkiness, of all the blueprints we've discussed, the most risque to me right now seem to be that sexual type and that kinky type and like the ownership of that. You know, ownership of your sexuality in all of its forms
1: is really the key to freedom. And this just happens to be one In our culture, we experience a whole lot of judgment around, unfortunately. Because of that, especially when you're getting into a new relationship, you're starting to have intimacy with somebody, some people have some shame around it or some trepidation about sharing. And that's really unfortunate because we all deserve to have access, full access to our pleasure.
0: I also want to say too, when I think of kinky, I think of novelty.
1: That's a great segue into our final blueprint. The last blueprint is the shapeshifter blueprint. And the shapeshifter is all of them. It's all of them. And so to your point, novelty is a big part of the shapeshifter blueprint. The shapeshifter, their superpower is they are fluent in all of the blueprints. And they not only desire it, but they need it. And what I discovered when I started this journey was that I was actually Quite shapeshiftery. My, my sexual blueprint was the smallest of all of them, but I was actually quite shapeshiftery. And mm-hmm. I wasn't getting fulfilled because I was only speaking one of the blueprints with my partners, who were mainly sexual blueprints. And because I was the people pleaser, I was showing up for sexual interaction, sexual blueprint interaction, and just left completely unfulfilled. So again, the superpower is they speak all of the blueprints fluently. They've got the great vocabulary and expression of sexuality. They're willing to play in all of the blueprints. But as I just mentioned, some of the challenges or one of the main challenges is they can become people-pleasery because we are fluent in all of them. If our partner is only one, we're probably going to engage in the thing that our partner likes rather than ask for what we really want, need, and desire to be personally fulfilled as well. I want to go back to your question about foreplay, your whole life being foreplay and why I think your whole life is involved in your sexuality. It starts well before you get into the bedroom. And this is the thing. Energetics, they need more time. Sensuals as well. They need more time. They need more space to like get in the mood and be ready for what we would call sexual interaction, sexual intimacy. They need more foreplay (laughs) said another way. But knowing that you need that extra space, what if your whole life were foreplay? And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean touching your genitals. I want to be really clear about that. What if you invited pleasure into your whole life? So I'll give some examples. When I wake up in the morning, One of the first things that I do, I participate in a feminine movement practice called S-Factor. And I can turn on a song and I move my body in a way that allows me to move emotion through my body or allows me to experience pleasure in my body. Again, it may or may not include touching my genitals. But man, does it feel good to move like that, right? Then I go in to take a shower, I was in the military for 18 years and there's a joke that when you have to take a shower quickly, we call it tits and pits, like get in there and get the job done. And so are you going in to take that kind of a shower or are you giving yourself time to like enjoy your bath gels and really feel how good it feels to have the water run over you? And again, if you're maybe a sexual blueprint, maybe that includes some genital touch. Maybe it doesn't. Right, But what does pleasure look like for you there? Do you give yourself an opportunity to have beautiful music and a candle burning? Can you hear that my sensual is also very strong, (laughs) right? My top two, we call it a stack, right? We all have all five of them, but my top two are energetic and sensual. And so I walk through my day looking for ways, you mentioned my plants, that's energetic and very sensual, those two things, because it creates a beautiful environment. I'm in pleasure just by walking into this room.
0: I really want to stop you there because you're touching on something that I feel is so important, which is... What we here at Bedside call the pleasure practice, which is really just a practice of pleasure, how you can find it in the everyday, in the little moments. And when you make that conscious shift, the fulfillment that you can receive in the smallest ways is so invigorating that it almost totally crumbles down the construct of that culturally tabooed world of how we're supposed to show up for pleasure and how we're supposed to please for pleasure. And it gives you that power back. And I love that so much. But think about this too. When your whole life is
1: filled with pleasure, you approach life in this life is foreplay or I'm going to live my life as foreplay kind of mentality. When you do encounter your partner, you're already halfway there because this is the thing I'm sure you've read Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. And the thing that I really love, there's two really power takeaways from that book. Number one, stress is the number one killer of great sex. Number one killer. Do you know what overcomes stress? Pleasure. (laughs) Stress produces... Adrenaline and cortisol in the brain. Do you know what cancels that out? Oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin, which by the way are the three hormones that are produced from pleasure. And pleasure is a spectrum. It's, you know, I think sometimes in environments like this, where we're talking about sex and sexuality, we talk about pleasure, our mind automatically goes to orgasm. Yeah, that's great. But Again, everything from your bath gels to making sure you have your favorite coffee available to you every morning, to taking a moment to stop and pet your doggy, or go outside and feel some sunshine on your face. It's a wide variety of things. And if you're a sexual blueprint, letting yourself masturbate, it's okay without judgment and really giving yourself that gift. I think it's really important really, really important. So that's my comment on stress. Number two, my comment would be around context. You have to create the environment for yourself to be in the mood. If you're running around all filled with stress and then your partner comes over and you're like, okay, yeah,
0: let's get down to business. There's not many people that can flip that switch so quickly. The first visual that came to mind was in that space. And I'll speak to myself personally when that has happened to me because it's happened to everyone, which is it kind of feels like you're checking off a to-do list box instead of being in a moment and experiencing something and really leaning into pleasure. It has a different energetic.
1: Absolutely. And while you have the ability to lean into some pleasure in that particular example, if you're living your life in this way, where you're giving yourself the things that you need to be fed, we call it in the erotic blueprint community, to feed yourself all day long, what's your capacity for pleasure now? It's an amazing shift, an amazing shift in the way we live.
0: So what I'm hearing from you is just to bring this full circle is that the more that we understand our sexuality and our blueprint in the way that we Authentically express the more we can allow that to show up in our lives that allows us to be fuller versions of ourselves. Yes, all of that.
1: And I would also say that it is a shame buster to live this way because you start giving yourself the gift of your desires all throughout the day and with your partner or solo. And you're like, so I've been thinking about that thing that I really want to do. And it gives you more courage because you stop judging yourself for all the little things that you want along the way. And it gives you more courage to ask for those
0: things that feel a little more vulnerable. And the more you lean into that, oh, wow, that's when it gets really good. So do you feel like when you found this work and you discovered your blueprint, it just opened you up? I kind of want to hear about your process with this. (laughs) exploded exploded I don't even know
1: how to explain it it's kind of what I just said it's just like the more you continue the less judgment you have of yourself and by the way when you start having less judgment of yourself you stop judging others as much as well and that just creates a ripe environment for some just juicy connection really juicy connection.
0: I think I guess what I meant by that, and I mean, we can even talk about maybe some of the clients that you've worked with. I'm curious to hear about the limiting beliefs that people feel around this before they get started. What are those blocks that you feel like are the most common that surface? Oh boy, there's so much. (laughs) I
1: work with a lot of moms and busy professionals and they are trying to do it all. They're trying to be the extraordinary CEO the super mom that has the perfect snack at soccer games. And they're also trying to be an amazing friend that remembers everybody's birthday and provides the perfect birthday party or experience or girls' weekend or what have you. And they're also trying to be a stellar wife and everything that that means, including sex. And they give, 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 give some more. And they leave themselves until absolutely last. And that includes the bedroom. And to your point, sex becomes a to-do list item so that they can be a great wife instead of an experience they get
0: to have to connect deeply with their partner and feel extraordinary and fulfilled. What is that mindset shift? Because I think going back to that concept of autopilot, like it's so easy to fall on that track because so many people are on that track. It's kind of like that's the herd mentality. And I wonder what does it take in that shift? Because what I'm hearing is there's so much to do. How do I have time to focus on this and how is this going to make my life easier? How can I like lean into this in an easy way?
1: It's quite a journey because that programming and conditioning of I need to support, help and serve everybody is huge. Most of us have been living it for 30 or 40 years of I'm supposed to serve and support everybody else. I'm supposed to take care of my kids, my family, my husband, my partner. I'm supposed to be the great friend. If a friend is in need, I'm supposed to drop everything and go help them right? That conditioning is very, very loud in our culture. And so the work that I do with my clients, be it in sexuality or anything else, the very first thing that we do is tackle that. This notion of giving, giving, giving until you're fully depleted. And honestly, most of them come to a space where the only time they get a break is when they're about to have a nervous frigging breakdown. They're depleted or they're having a health challenge because the stress has gotten so high that they're creating health challenges in their body. And that's the only time that we can give ourselves a break. And so a lot of things that you hear in my community, you'll hear me talk about it all the time. Fill your cup first and share with them from the overflow that's in the saucer, not the cup. Fill yourself up first, share with others from the saucer, not the cup. This includes in the bedroom. So the first work we do is getting people to dive into massive, massive self-care. And so let me just Put a cord together here. That's what I'm talking about when I say your whole life is foreplay. Put yourself on the calendar first. It doesn't mean that, well, I'm going to go take a shower before I help my kids get off to school. That's not what it means. It means that you are just as much of a priority on your calendar as the kids, as the work, as the other things, and that there are things spread throughout your day that help fill you. You can take a breath break for two minutes and breathe. We've all heard about box breathing, you know, four four breaths in, hold for four, exhale for four, and hold for four again. You do that for two minutes a couple of times throughout the day. Woo, that can be really fulfilling and bring down those stress levels. Taking your time with your coffee instead of rushing around the house with your coffee, your favorite coffee, by the way, made exactly the way you like it, right? You can take five to 10 minutes to just enjoy it. And be with yourself and look out the window and be present for that. It sounds little, but when you add it all up, this is what I'm talking about.
0: It's making me think too, like how much we just rush around. I heard somewhere when you were talking about showering, it was making me laugh because I was like, there are really two types of showers, an indulgent shower or like the tits and pits shower. And I heard someone else similarly talking about why am I rushing when I pee? Which I thought was so interesting. And now every time I go pee, I'm like, slow down. And if you could apply that to everything in
1: life, big game changer. And it puts you in that state of that calmed nervous system. And it's amazing. You know how many women I talk to that are like, oh, I just don't have arousal. And again, going back to come as you are, she talks about there's a large percentage of the population that have a responsive desire, right? Meaning their arousal rises when their partner is engaging with them or what have you. right? But it will blow your mind how many people finally go, oh, wait, I do have arousal. Wait a second. right? And I personally believe and I have experienced that when I slow down, I do experience more arousal. And I think that has something to do with the fact that when we're rushing around, we're up here in our heads. We're not actually in our body. So there may actually be arousal occurring, but we're just not aware of it because we all here in our head.
0: I just really liked that note about bringing our nervous system down. It's so important. And you were talking about box breathing, but I'm wondering if you have any other tips for like how we can kind of like self-regulate during the day. It's one of the things that I talk about
1: most inside of Unstuck Yourself for sure. It's really about taking time to drop in and be present. And when you're focusing on the count of the breath and how the breath feels coming in and holding and going out, you're super, super present. There's another really great book and it's kind of a tip for getting present that I use a lot. It's called Positive Intelligence. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And this premise, it's like this little mini meditation. It's called a PQ rep, a Positive Intelligence Repetition. And it's when you focus on any one of your five senses, For only 10 seconds. You can do it with me if you want. So just go ahead and put your pointer finger and your thumb together. And I want you to rub your pointer finger and your thumb back together like you're rolling a toothpick between. Okay? And I want you to focus on your sense of touch. Focus on your sense of touch. Maybe you notice how fast or how slow you're rubbing. Focus on your sense of touch. Maybe you notice the pressure, how light or how firm you're pressing. Focus on your sense of touch to the point where you can almost feel the ridges in your thumbprint. And when you focused on your sense of touch, what thoughts were you having? I wasn't having thoughts. Exactly. Because you're super present. You're super present. So when you're sitting in your chair, just be there and notice the weight of your body on your bum on the chair. Maybe you notice how soft it is, or how firm and uncomfortable it is. Maybe you notice the heft or the weight of the chair that might be under you or how flimsy it is. It's just becoming hyper-focused, super aware of any of your five senses. And it doesn't take that long, only 10 seconds. Here's another one. When you're triggered, like say you're like all riled up about something and you're wanting to calm yourself down, do a PQ rep. You know what? Get crazy. Do three in a row. Get crazy. That's 30 seconds if you think about it. Normally, when you get triggered, how long does it take you to come back into your body? It can take hours. I know people that it sometimes takes days, weeks, months, years, right? And with these little tricks of just constantly bringing yourself back into your body, feeling your body, it just dramatically shortens that time and dramatically calms the nervous system. It's a really powerful tool, really powerful tool.
0: And it makes sense when we are in those spaces, that's a spinning mind and you're bringing us back into our body. And the last little tidbit
1: I would share is get in nature the best that you can. It's one of the reasons why I have all of these plants because just being in this room makes me happy. Being in this room calms me down right? But right now it's summertime or fall, and it's a great time to go outside. Like literally go hug a tree. Literally go put your feet in the grass, smell the fresh air, listen to the birdies chirp, right? All of those things bring you into this present here and now moment.
0: And it's all part of the foreplay. Totally.
1: Because when you're present, when you're not trying to recover from a triggered body, you're more available to pleasure. And when you're living your life in pleasure, you're closer
0: to the on-ramp of some really great intimacy and ecstasy when you're with a partner or having solo play. I love it. This is kind of a nuanced question, but I'm wondering what a healthy sex life means for you. What does it mean for the clients that you work with, what does that look like?
1: That is a nuanced question for sure. And
0: I would say that it's
1: absolutely like completely different for everybody. What I would deem a healthy sex life for me is not necessarily going to apply for my client or a friend. So I don't want to get into details of what it looks like because it's not about number of times that you're having sex. It's not about how many orgasms do you have. And that's usually the metrics we use to determine if somebody's having a healthy sex life. I instead would say that it has a lot to do with being fully expressed, indulging in your desires, allowing yourself to be curious and shameless about your desires, and giving yourself everything that you desire with consent. (laughs) I don't want to make sure we talk about consent uh, sometime in here, but consent is a huge piece of it, right? When you start to have quality consent conversations it also makes intimacy so much easier because you're already clear what your partner is or is not consenting to. And so then you know what the playground is and you can play to the edges. And it's amazing. Healthy sex life. Yeah. Everything to do with consent. Everything to do with authentic expression.
0: So let's say that somebody just took the quiz. They just figured out what their sexual blueprint is, their erotic blueprint What is one of those first steps that we should take now knowing a little bit more about how we operate? I would say get a coach
1: and start to really explore. There's a couple different aspects of knowing what your blueprint is. First and foremost, it's about showing up fully, right, for those top two blueprints in your entire erotic blueprint. Because again, we all have all five available to us, but there's usually two that kind of run the show. And so, I would first say, explore that fully, embrace that fully, be shameless and authentic about those two fully. And then is the fun part. It can also be a little scary sometimes for some people, but it's the part where you get to explore the ones that aren't as high, where you get to cultivate and you get to expand and develop your vocabulary in these other areas and find the ways where you do experience pleasure in some of those other blueprints. And why would you want to do that? Well, because you're likely to encounter somebody else that has a different blueprint than you. And wouldn't it be lovely to be able to speak their language in the bedroom and find pleasure in your body for what you're sharing with them?
0: It's kind of learning the language of eroticism, right? And sexuality and it's not like you're really locked into this one blueprint. It's really being able to understand like the holistic language of all of them. Absolutely. I also feel like it invites curiosity. Instead of going,
1: oh no, I'm not kinky. I'm not kinky at all. Well, I feel like it invites what could be kinky for me. In what ways could I experience pleasure in the
0: kinky blueprint? So early on, we've made up our minds about like what we like, what we dislike, or what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And most of that comes from that programming
1: that we talked about at the beginning of the show. This completely falsified notion of what pleasure looks like, sounds like, what's allowed for it to look like, that's all programming. I love the erotic blueprints because it broadens the definition of pleasure. It broadens the definition of sex. When an energetic blueprint can have an orgasm with their partner standing across the room, oh, that's redefining what pleasure looks and feels like completely. And when you're open and
0: available to that, woo, grocery store gets interesting. I love that. It's also making me circle back to when we were talking about some of your clients and really busy women. And it's making me think about that question that I asked of like, oh, well, if they're so busy, how are they going to get this done? How are we going to reframe this? Well, that's the answer right there. By reframing what sex is and what pleasure is, you can make it become anywhere. It doesn't have to be this box that you check. Right. Well, I'll also say that once you start to slow down, once you prioritize
1: yourself and you allow yourself to slow down and you start saying the complete sentence, no, the things, so you can create space for some of this, I can't tell you how many people go, oh my God, I didn't realize like I was torturing myself. I was putting myself in this very small cage. I call it shooting all over yourself. I'm shooting all over myself of what it means, what I have to do every day in order to be fill in the blank. And once they start releasing some of that should and wiping it off, no, I don't should anything. You know, I can ask my friend to take the kids to soccer so that I can stay home and do some self care and I can exchange the favor next time. These are just some of the simple ways that you can create space for this kind of thing. Once you experience a taste of it, oh, baby, you want more. Oh, baby, you want more. And then it just continues on and on from there. So maybe you're starting to hear for me, there is no difference between every day and your sex life, it's your life. This is an integral part of your life. It is not separate. So I like to invite that into every aspect of life.
0: Thank you for doing that for us. I think so often we look at our sexuality as this little dot in our... Right over there. Yeah. (laughs) It's over there. It happens on Thursday night, maybe a Friday night or on the weekend. It's not that accessible. Okay. So I know you were telling us a little bit about your rituals and the way that you'll do movement in the morning and you'll shower. But I really want to hear a little bit more about your sexual wellness routine, because I think when people can hear more about what someone like you and how someone like you lives, it can give ideas. It can expand people into seeing to believe what's possible. So share with me a little bit about your sexual wellness routine. So S-factor is a huge piece of that because it is a method
1: for me to fill myself and experience my most authentic expression. It can be all by myself. It can be witnessed by other women. I have had my boyfriend sit for me several times as well. And when I mean sit for me, like he sits in the chair over there and I'm not performing for him. I'm energetically connecting with him. And allowing my body to express whatever arises because of that witnessing. In an S-factor class, we sometimes have another woman sit in the chair and hold a certain energy for us. When we talk about redefining what pleasure looks like, anger and rage can be quite pleasurable. And S-factor is one of the ways that I access that and allow it to move in me. So depending on the song, depending on the clothing I'm wearing, depending on the energy that I'm asking the person in the chair to hold for me, maybe
0: there's a
1: lot that can move in there. And that is extremely, extremely erotic for me. Brings a lot of pleasure and turn on in my body to allow myself to emote authentically. There's also massage. Massage is huge for me. Going back to the tits and pits shower, I don't just slather on lotion. I take my time with it, I massage it in. I allow myself to feel my curves. I am curvy as hell, and damn, I'm hot. And I let myself really enjoy all of those curves. I was going to say, what is your love language? I know it sounds from this conversation, it sounds like it's physical touch, but it's actually quality time.
0: That makes sense with the energetics. Yeah, it's actually quality time.
1: I want your present. That's probably my biggest turn on is somebody that's here and fully present. Yeah. And so that I would say that brings me to my other pleasure practice is, making sure that i've created that space with my partner
0: and myself to have that quality time i want to talk a little bit about the concept of the evolution of your sex life because i'll speak for myself this was a really big aha moment for me to understand that like oh wait my sex life can evolve with me and become Larger than life, and it can shift whenever it wants. And that shape shifting concept, it can mold and become a life force, if you will. So, I kind of want to talk about the evolution of sex, and I guess maybe even what that has meant for you. Yeah, I think that journey is different for everybody. I think what's the most important in that journey is listening
1: really listening. What do I desire? And working through any resistances that you have around that desire. You can enroll your partner in that or not. For me, I was single at the time that I was doing this, this particular journey. I actually found it oddly helpful to do that work by myself because I didn't have to explain what I was doing or why. I got to just follow the thread and go wherever I wanted to go, and I didn't need to worry about it. It's about truly listening to your desire and honoring it. And those resistances can modulate how fast or slow you go, as if it's even a faster slow. There's nowhere to get to, but it's really about those resistances keep you from experiencing your desire, keep you from experiencing your pleasure or fully expressing. And I believe the height of your pleasure is equivalent to your ability to surrender to your desires, like the full expression of your desire, the full expression of your pleasure whatever that looks like for you.
0: The connection I just drew was pleasure in relation to vulnerability. Very Brene Brown of me. But yes, the more we access our vulnerability, the more we investigate and communicate with the resistance. And we're
1: willing to honor that curiosity. You may get curious about something and try it and go, nope, not for me. Great. You found something you don't like that you never, ever have to do again. Although I usually recommend you do it at least twice, do everything at least twice, unless it's an absolute hell. No, I recommend at least twice. Cause your first time you're usually like, mm, you're getting your head about what's going on and the experiences or the feeling that you're having in your body, the body sensations, you can get in your head about that. And so I always say, try everything twice. If you can, if you're a yes to it, only if you're a yes to it. But try everything twice because then the second time, since you kind of know what might be going down, what might be happening, you can surrender and relax into it a little bit more and get a true read on whether this is something you want to try again or not. But sometimes you get a hell no in your body. And if you get a hell no, please honor that.
0: I want to know if there is one thing that you wanted everybody to know or everybody to consider about their sex life. I think it goes back to that whole point we were making earlier about your sex
1: life is not separate. It's not separate from your regular life. It is an integral, very important part of your life. It's a very important piece to you fully expressing and experiencing true, genuine fulfillment. And we've been sold a script of what that's supposed to look like, of what is acceptable for your sex life to look like. And that could mean Having lots of sex that could look like me and having hardly any. And we've all been sold a script based on our background. You know, you started there for a reason. Whatever the script was, please throw it out. Please give yourself the gift of your own exploration
0: to find out what's true for you. That really resonated. I think we don't give our sexuality enough credit for how much it is part of our self-expression and just the way that we show up in life. So... I just want to thank you so much for sharing all of this information with us. Absolutely. My pleasure. This has been the best interview ever. I love it. Thank you. I know everybody's probably dying to connect with you and just figure out where we can get more of you and your information around all of this. So please just drop us all of your links. I'll send you an email later that has all the links so you can put it in show notes and everything. I'll share with
1: you a link to be able to take the erotic blueprint quiz and also get on my newsletter to get more juicy information, all the sexy stuff. I talk about more than just sex inside of Unstuck Yourself. Unstuck Yourself is really holistic in its approach. We talk about mindset. We talk about sex and money and I'm getting ready to launch Unstuck Your Health as well. And it's really, really holistic. So if somebody wanted to just kind of poke around and check me out, then look me up on Facebook, Leah Newman, L-E-A, new man, not old man, but new man. You can find me on Facebook. You can also join my free Facebook group, Unstuck Yourself. But if you really want the juicy
0: stuff and you want to dip your toe in the water with me, come play with me in the Unstuck Yourself Academy. I love this. Leah, this was just such a treat. And I just, I just want to thank you so much for coming on to the show absolutely my pleasure thank you so much for the invite thank you for listening to the bedside podcast if you liked this episode and want to follow along with similar stories and interviews be sure to check out our instagram at the bedside and theBedside.co online make sure to subscribe leave a review and of course share with your friends it's the best way you can support us and our good sex mission thank you for listening